Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity of just being together like this at this moment in time. For our, our young people uh, joining with Trinity Church uh, at Whitemore Lakes right now, we just con- continue to say thank you for them and, and for what you're impacting and, and planting in their hearts and lives. And for us to here today right now, we just pray, Holy Spirit, as we open our hearts and minds, continue to keep ourselves uh, ready to receive what you want to say. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak uh, in a remarkable way into each individual life. You, you know what we need. You know where we're at. You know where we need to be. Uh, you know us by name. You even number the very hairs on our head. Uh, so, there's, so there is something particular, unique to each one of us, that in you, Holy Spirit, are so unique to each one of our hearts and minds and our needs. So right at this moment, we open our hearts to you, that you would speak where, what we need, and we will take what we need, and what's right for us at this moment, by the power of your Spirit. Breathe fresh hope and life and inspiration into our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great uh, to see you. And uh, we're going to start a new series um, in Life of Church over the next number of weeks called Testify. And uh, it'll unpack in the weeks ahead. And when I'm speaking and and, uh, Andrew, we're going to sort of speak into a a season and a a series over the next few weeks. And uh, I want to read from the book of Revelation, chapter 12. So if you have a Bible handy... Um, if you uh, have got it on a smartphone or a tablet, or if you just want to just sit back and listen, then just do all of those things. But it's Revelation chapter 12. One verse in particular I want to pick up on. It's verse 11. Revelation, the letter, the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 11. I'm reading from the NIV. It reads like this. It says, they triumphed over him. That's the devil. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, And uh, the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Read it again. It's just a short one verse. They triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Interestingly, the message translation, paraphrase probably, you could term it, of that same verse when it says the word of their testimony, it says this, the bold word of their witness. They triumphed over the devil by the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. I like where the message comes in there. At that point, there's some absolute gems in the message from time to time. And on that one, they're bold, the bold word of their witness. And it's that theme that we're going to look at when we look at this series Testify over the next um, few weeks. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Albert McMakin. Oh, yeah, you're looking at me very quizzically. Yeah, Albert McMakin. What does he make? Dumplings or donuts or whatever? Albert McMakin. Well, Albert McMakin is maybe not the most well-known Christian on the face of this planet historically, but um, 
He became a Christian as a very young man back in the 19, early uh, 1930s. And he became so enthusiastic. He was a, a farmhand, a farming boy, and uh, in the sort of southern states of the United States in the, in the uh, early 1930s. And he became a Christian. And he was so enthusiastic in his newfound faith that what he would do, he would drive around in his pickup and, and pick up as many people as he could in, in, in his farming pickup and take them along to church. Uh, one day, what happened? was um, a, a, there, a, a, there was a revival meetings. These are like evangelistic meetings in, in this local church. And uh, Albert was so excited that he was going around picking up loads of people. And there was a particular young man who he was friendly with, uh, pals with, who he was encouraging to come along to this revival, to come along to church with him. But this young man was at that time 16 years of age, this other young man, and not really very interested Although this young man's parents were going to church and uh, were getting excited, this young 16-year-old was excited about um, his girlfriends and chasing the girls. And uh, he, he wasn't really that interested until Albert said to him, look, you can drive me pick up to church. In actual fact, uh, you know, the, this preacher's a fighting. He, he, he speaks fighting talk. And those two things really spoke to this other young man. One, he could drive his pickup to church, and, and he was intrigued at the fighting talk of this preacher. Anyway, this young man goes to these uh, revivals with his pickup full, and he drove the pickup. He drove Albert's pickup to this meeting. And the story goes that he becomes a Christian at this revival meeting. And he went on to touch millions. His name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham was the young man who wasn't interested, and Albert McMakin was the young man who was interested and invited him along. There's power in testimony. No one knows of Albert McMakin. Everyone knows that Billy Graham touched millions. But Albert McMakin was the link in the chain to see Billy Graham become a Christian. How about that? He might not become a Christian there and then, but he brought him along. There is power in our testimony. And in Revelation 12, 11, there's an interesting verse there. It says they overcame, they triumphed over Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, or the bold word of their witness. And good old Albert McMakin, I say. Not many of us knew about him. I never knew about him. I knew Billy Graham. But what an amazing man that wasn't afraid to say, I'm a Christian. God is doing great things in my life. Why don't you come along? The power of testimony. You know... Um, in the New Testament, throughout the pages of the New Testament, this, this, the second part of the Bible, the word witness and testify appears again and again and again. In actual fact, the word witness in the New Testament is a very important word. It's, it's, it's where we, we get a, a, a transliteration of martyr from, to live, so much so that you won't hold on to your life, that you'll live 100% for God, you give your whole life to God. And uh, this idea of witness, giving our whole lives to God, is important throughout the New Testament. And um, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they give witness, they testify to Jesus. We call them the Gospels. Matthew testifies, gives witness to who Jesus was. John writes about all the things that Jesus did. He wants to give testimony to witness. Thank God we wouldn't have those today if these guys, these guys, these great men inspired by the Holy Spirit didn't share something of the living Jesus in their lives. And that's what it means to testify. And so witness um, is incredibly important. Luke in Acts particularly majors on this word, witness, again and again and again. It's a powerful um, uh, uh, aspect of believers' life, as we read in Revelation 12. 
um, so powerful that it overcomes and spreads um, like, like viral. And the early church spread like a fire in those early days. Why? Because of witness, because of testimony. That's why the early church spread so powerfully. You know, um, the very nature of being a believer means that we broadcast what we believe. You know, testimony and witness is for all. Not just a few. Albert McMakin, no one knows his name. But because he had courage, fueled by the fire of the Holy Spirit, he just couldn't help but let people know that Jesus is alive in me. And that's what a testimony is. Expressing Jesus alive in us and through us. And it's as powerful as that. And so in the early church, they would broadcast their belief. The early church shared in the marketplace from all aspects of life. I can't look at every verse. Time doesn't permit. But in Acts chapter 8, verses 3 to 4, we read just as just one little example that witness is for all. It says in um, Acts 8, verses 3 to 4, Saul, talking of Saul, Paul began to, before he became Paul, became Paul, he was persecuting the church. It says, Saul began to destroy the church. A little later on, it says, those who were scattered preached the good news wherever they went. Acts 8, verses 3 to 4. When the church was scattered, people shared the good news wherever they went. That, that struck me, wherever they went. Not just in church on a Sunday, but every aspect of life, they broadcast what they believed. Who they were was shown and told that Jesus is alive. And so witness to testify, to give testimony is incredibly powerful. That's why the church spread. And it's for all, in other words. It's for all. Um, So I I, I would, so because of that, I define, okay, I define a testimony like this. A testimony isn't just when you first became a Christian uh, and, and I was like this in my life and then I became a Christian and now it's great and God is doing this. That's part of your testimony. But a testimony to testify is more than that. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's what I've just described and you've probably all done it at your baptism. Shared what it was like before you were a Christian, you didn't know God. Then when you became and how you became a Christian and now how it feels today now that I'm a Christian. That's part of your testimony. But I would suggest to you it's the tip of the iceberg. That one-off Sharing is just the tip of the iceberg. I would look at it broader than that, and I would define a testimony like this. It's up on the screen. Testimony is a living word. It's not what I do, but it's who I am. It's not even what I say. It's who I am. I am a Christian, a Christ one, living in the power of Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and Jesus in me, living for him. And so a testimony is so much more. Um, it's, it's living for, with, and through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. See it there? It's living for Jesus. It's a living testimony, a living word. It's not just what I said and what I did then and what happened in me, but it's a living word that is ongoing. The word is still out. The word is still out. And it's rediscovering that, that the early, our church in the 21st century re- needs to rediscover the power of testimony. This is why in our life groups, we're looking at talking Jesus. It's not a by surprise. Uh, we've been looking at that for some time and we're going to share this series. 21st century church, we need to rediscover perhaps again, get back into the groove, as it were, in our testimony of living for, with, and through Jesus. You know, it's giving our whole lives to Jesus, for him. 
It's, um, it's with him because he's alive. So it's living and it's through him. It's in power. It's through powerful. We get our courage through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the supernatural released through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our testimony then, the tip of the iceberg is it happened like this. I was like that. This is what happened in my life. And this is what's going on. That's part of it. There's, it's living it's living for him, with him, and through him. And that is powerful. Albert McMakin understood that. And wherever he went, he lived and breathed and shared. And so it is speaking about Jesus in us, through us, and amongst us. And we're going to look at more of that. This is really today by way of an introduction. So, um, yeah. So I, I sort of would define... Uh, you know, you might want to bear to, to differ, but uh, that's what I'm going for. Testimony is uh, so much more. It's uh, wider, bigger, greater. So um, some stats, just a few statistics, because if you're like me, there are times when I just feel um, like retreating into my shell a little. What will they think? What will people say? Have, oh, no, and oh, they don't like. And, and do they th- are they going to think I'm homophobic? Am I, are, are people not interested? There's all this stuff that gets in the way of us sometimes. And there's a sense of rediscovering our groove, rediscovering our courage, rediscovering our living life and testimony in Jesus. Um, so uh, a group called the Barna Group, Barna Research Group, they're an American organization, interchurch, very respective, carried out some research. They were commissioned to carry out some research in the UK a couple of years ago. Uh, this is at the back of the Talking Jesus strategy, okay? So it comes out of the Barna Group, group, group <laughs> the Barna Group, uh, which is an American organization, incredibly respected, um, impartial research, Christian research group. And then Comres, which is another research group, which again is a non-church, non-partisan. And so uh, I'm only going to touch on a few brief stats, not to to bore us with a lot of stats. But I found these couple of statistics incredibly encouraging when we look at testify. Okay, So, uh, interesting one that first came out was from this research... um, from this research uh, several years ago was that they found, as they asked non-Christians, you know, how many, non- how, how many of you know a Christian? 67% of non-Christians said that they knew a practicing Christian. I think this was about 2015, 2016, this research. The Barna Group did some research and asked how many, uh, non- they asked non-Christians, if you, you know, how many Christians, how many of you know a Christian? And 67% identified that they knew a Christian. In other words, two-thirds, they extrapolated this, two-thirds of non-Christians actually know a Christian. I don't know about you, that's, that shocked me. I thought, you know, there wasn't, not very many know a Christian. In actual fact, it's not, it's a lie. Lots of people know Christ, a Christian. They, you are known. I am known. Maybe not as much as you, because it was interesting. 1% of non-Christians would turn to administer. The majority turned to you. But this is an interesting stat, 67%. That's two-thirds of non-Christians know a Christian. Now, this is great implications, because the implication is this. Turn it around the other way, that we have the opportunity to influence two-thirds of our nation. 67%, as we testify. This is absolutely blew my mind 
Because I don't know about you, I think, oh, not many people know, not many people care, not many people interested. Well, let me show you this. This, isn't, this is research that's just come out. Andrew, Andrew's looked at this research. It's caused us to get very excited about, about this. Um, this is sort of fuel for our courage. Um, the, Non-Christians of all ages were asked, you know, do you like the people that you know who are Christians? And the research showed that generally the 67% that know a Christian actually like you and me. I thought it'd be the other way around. They absolutely would hate the church. Well, they don't like church so much, but they like Christians because they have a relationship with you and me. Look at this. I've, I've just picked out a few, but the positives outweigh the negatives. There are some negatives, but it turned out that of the 67%, two-thirds that know a Christian, right, there was generally a positive feeling towards Christians. Hey, I think we're on to a winner here. This is something quite amazing. Look at this. This isn't me. This is out there. And uh, Evangelical Alliance have got these stats. Um, Okay, yeah. So of the positives, look at this. Um, 65% of that group of people said that they felt the Christian was friendly. 51% felt that they were caring. 46% good-humored. 38% generous. There are some others. I didn't, didn't have space to pick out every single one. But there's a high percentage of positivity towards Christians. Look at the negatives. They're much, much lower. There are negatives, but they're much lower. I didn't pick out every single one, but look at this. 13% thought that the person they knew as a Christian was narrow-minded. 7%, only 7% felt that homophobic. I thought that would be off the scale. Um, 4% thought that Christians were unhappy. And 4% thought that they were uh, intervened in their lives or were pushy. In other words, forceful and pushy, speaking down. Isn't that amazing? So, so look, there were lots of other negatives and lots of other positives. So I just picked up the, the space that I had. I didn't want to just blow us away. But I th- from that, it's this. 67% of, our, of non-Christians know a Christian. They know you and me. Two-thirds of our nation know a Christian. That's pretty incredible. It's a very powerful position to be in. A very privileged position, but bearing in mind the power of the Holy Spirit. How about this? And then when we look at what they think, this is sort of commissioned 2015, 2016. They extrapolated this, obviously, did a poll of, say, several thousand people, and there's so many percentage margin for error either side. The, the general feel towards the people that they knew, and this is interesting, this is a somebody that they either knew, worked with, related to, you know, were, were next door neighbors to. There was a relationship, obviously. There's a lot more into these stats than we see. There's positivity. There is a bit of negativity, naturally so, but it's not as big as I sometimes thought it might be. So then, now that's really, really interesting and quite um, amazing. So what if we began to reach out to the 67% with our testimony? What would happen? I asked myself the question, if all the Christians in our nation began to reach out with our testimony, bearing in mind to identify a testimony as living for, with, and through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, if we're going to testify, we have to live for, with, in other words, have a living relationship, giving him our lives, not holding back anything, for, 
with, walking with the, the living Jesus through in the power of the Holy Spirit. Living that life, sharing about it perhaps as well, which it will happen. If we were to do that, what would happen? What would happen? I, I tell you, lots of people praying for revival. We are in the place for an amazing revival in our nation, just mobilizing the church, rediscovering our testimony. That's so this is what the series Testify is really going to be all about. So just want to conclude with a few practicals this morning, and then we're going to come and worship and pray. What if we began to reach out to that 67% with our testimony? How are we going to do that? Well, first of all, bearing in mind the definition I've just shared, it's, first of all, it's relational. The positivity that we, saw, we see in the statistics is because it comes out of relationship. Of course, you can speak out to someone, and it's not wrong, you can do street witnessing, and it's all good stuff, but for the first time, it can sometimes land on deaf ears to some degree. Generally, it comes out of relationship. The people we're beside, the people in our families, the people that we relate to at work, our neighborhood, the people that are golf club or your gym or whatever you go or the bowling club it's 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 the, it's the people around us so it's going to be relational and so we're called to be people that relate to our world we don't just retreat from this world we don't retreat from politics we don't retreat from you know um people around us but we relate to with love and care and hope and friendship and kindness and generosity uh, it's it's got to be relational. And so there's something in our hearts that stirs about relating to the person beside me, behind me, around me. Uh, how, you know, how, how, when somebody says, how is your day? And you say, how is your day? And you start, to, you start to just show care. You are relating to that person. Um, you know, meeting someone for a coffee, you're beginning to relate to that person. So there's something about being relational. And all of us can do that to some degree and in some way. Some of us are bigger and, and more comfortable at doing that than others. I understand that. But we are called because God works through people. That's why he sent his son. He sent his son to do what? To relate to the world. And so the son says, now I likewise send you to relate to the world that you're in. And so that takes a bit of time. And we don't just relate to the world just to win the world. We relate to the world because God loves the world. I think one of the most powerful things that is happening is in something like Time to Talk. So Jonathan has a vision. Jonathan Mitchell has a vision for Time to Talk. It's, uh, you know, um, you take time, we listen, is the sort of line. And it's a listening service, not a counselling service, a list, listening to people. Lots of people in church beginning to volunteer and get involved in that. But people will be bowled over, not only by you listening, but the spirit with which you listen in. When we're able to talk to authorities and counsellors, you know, we do this because God loves. This is the difference. It's not just a listening service. This is God loving you. You might not be able to say that straight away. But, you know, God loves. And there's something powerful about relating in the love of God. It opens the doors of hearts and minds. It opens the doors. And so people are saying, what's different about this type of listening service from another listening service? And it's the power of God's love carried in our lives so relational so we're to be we're going to be relational we're to be relational um second thing i would say is intentional doesn't just happen well it does just happen if we're living our lives with jesus of course it does happen. but there's an intent in my life to live for god's glory 
I tell you what, you have to be intentional if you're going to go down to Aldi's to do your shop. You're intentional when you, 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 you go to B&Q. You're intentional, you and I, when we need to paint because the house is looking a bit shabby and we need to, to paint it up a little bit. There, you know, there's something about being intentional. And it's not that we have to do anything, but, uh, you know, we, we, if we love God, there's this, this, this love of, of Jesus in us. But, but there's something in my heart that says, I want to live for your glory. So when I speak about being intentional, it's saying, I want to live for you. It says in, Rome, um, in Revelation 12, it says they did not hold back on their lives. Why? They intentionally, those early believers, wanted to live for God's glory. You know, our testimony is your story, but God's glory. The story of Jesus living in our lives, and the difference that he makes, brings glory. And so there's something intentional to live for God. I, I think it's as simple as that. A desire that says, I'm going to live for you, God. No, no more great shakes than that. You know, you haven't got to jump through lots of hoops, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, and be good at this and good at that, and know all the Bible about this, and be an expert on this and that. No, no, no. Just my heart, I want to live for you, God. Intentionality. That will draw you. As soon as you do that, your life will change. Your heart will be opened. It says of the disciples, as they walked along the road to Emmaus, were not our hearts strangely warmed when Jesus spoke to us? Because their hearts were opening up, living for him. And our hearts and lives, our lives will be transformed. And so there's something intentional, living for God, living for his glory. Oh, that we be a people to rediscover that intentionality. Relational, intentional. The third thing I would say is this. There's only four, so don't panic. Uh, The fourth thing I say is this, spiritual. It's a spiritual life in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we get our courage from. It's where we get our unction. This is where we get our strength. You know, I see people get more excited and rant on Facebook than, than, than living for God's reign. I see more Christians have a rant on Facebook than living for the reign of God. This is where we get our unction, our desire. You know, it's spiritual. It's not just words. It's not just living a life. It's living a life in God, energized by the power of his forgiveness and his mercy. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. And then in the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us our courage. Gives us The early Christians were transformed in those early days with courage. And so you and I, if, if you're like me, you're sometimes, oh, if I say that, what will they say? With me, it's always, I say this all the time, it's when I get my hair cut. I've got a lot of it. It's going grey, but it gets very thick. So I have to go very often. And it's always, what are you doing today? How's your day gone? And, you know, what, what, you know, different, what are you doing for a living? You know, and, and, it's, and sometimes you think, oh, if I say this, you know, will, they, will they cut a step? <laughs> will they jump all of a sudden and go gulp? Because they always say, oh, a vicar. I said, no, 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 not a vicar. Well, yeah, you could call it a vicar. Call pastor in our type of church. Well, yeah, yeah, all right, and it's a vicar. You know, and sometimes... <laughs> but, but there's spiritual courage. You know, there's something about unction, isn't there? Uh, and, and so it's, it's spiritual, being, being open to the Holy Spirit. Wanted to be filled with the Spirit, filled with courage. God said to Joshua, don't be, be strong and courageous. But he would give him that courage. We're given that courage. As Jesus said, I will not leave you alone, but I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you. It's intentional, relational, and spiritual. But also, and this is where miracles can happen, supernatural of God, but also to be natural. We're to be natural. 
Not weird. Not, not Christian gobbledygook. Uh, when I first came to church, uh, uh, I talked about being naturally supernatural. Lots of people, I had lots of hassle with that in my early days. What are you on about? What are you on about? But to be natural, to be you, be who you are. Don't copy someone else. Let God flow through you the way you are with your foibles. He'll change you from glory to glory. But just be yourself. I think people love people that are just normal, that are of integrity, that are natural, that you are who you are. You, you, you sometimes share that I am worried about stuff, but God helps me. That's being natural. You don't have to say the Christian thing. Oh, no, I'm always all right. He never fails. He's all... Well, of course, God never fails, but there are days when I feel worried. People, that's called being natural, but still having faith and hope in God. And we're called to be natural and then the supernatural. See, this is what people love. They love to see ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And when we are who we are, God does takes you and me, ordinary people, and does extraordinary. Sometimes we raise up the extraordinary so much that it's so spiritual and so supernatural, we can get a bit weird. But God does amazing things and wants to do them. So be yourself. Be you. Be honest. Be open. But have faith. Be spiritual. Be. And do you know what? When relational, intentional, spiritual, natural, when it comes together, look at this. It struck me as I was thinking about this, the potential to go viral. We have the potential to go viral. It's called a revival. People say, I'm praying for a revival. Well, look, we can go viral. You don't have to be a YouTube blogger or vlogger or whatever it is to go viral. Everyone's dreaming about making it on YouTube and being a vlogger. Hey, when we are relational, intentional, spiritual, natural, God does what we can't do spreads the early church spread like fire the early church spread like a fire because the holy spirit was flowing through the heart of the early church they were relational they were intentional they were spiritual i'm pretty sure they were in those early days would have been pretty natural you know buying meat at the marketplace it says in corinthians so you had to be careful what type of meat that you ate if it was sacrificed to idols so they were going about their daily business we see that in Corinthians. They were doing normal stuff, being natural out there. And then Christianity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit spread like a fire. Another analogy would be, goes viral, spreads. You know, this morning, can we give our lives and rediscover our testimony? The living Jesus, living for him, with him, living today, and through him in his power. Can we do that? Can we rediscover that? Let's, let's pray together as we close. We're going to sing. Uh, rediscovery. My prayer is that there is a, uh, let's live and testify. Let's live and testify and touch the two-thirds. We want to touch everybody, obviously, not just 67%, but what an opportunity we have uh, as believers across the denominations in our nation. What an incredible opportunity. If only we testify. They overcame him, the devil, for the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives nor hold back. Let's not hold back. Let's give our lives for his glory. Heavenly Father, we give our hearts and lives to you. We say we love you. And we want to honor you. We want to live for your glory. Would you just come and fill us afresh this morning with courage, with wonder, with power, with hope, expectation with the joy of your forgiveness. May we burn bright again 
May we catch fire, perhaps, for the very first time. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never come to that point in your life where you say, God, I want to live for you. A Christian isn't just someone who does good things. A Christian isn't just someone who believes the Bible. That's great to do that. Or even prays, and that's fantastic. A person that even comes to church from time to time, that's great. That's not a Christian. A Christian is someone who has said, I want to live for God. I want Christ in my heart and life. I want to live for you, God. I don't want to do my own thing for my own way. And so as a person, I say, forgive me for living for me, not for you. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to do that for the very first time. Say to God, forgive me for living for me, not for you. I want you. If that's you while our eyes are closed, just say that in your heart right now. Confess that to God. Forgive me for living for me without you, God. I want to live for you. I pray, Jesus, that you will fill hearts and lives and minds right now in your mighty name. Perhaps you're here this morning and we just need to come alight again. Just want to get hold of that sense of fire, courage, strength, spark. Then fill me this morning afresh. Holy Spirit, I pray. See, my heart is open to you. I want to live for your glory, Father God. I'm not backing down. I will stand my ground. Lifting high the name of Jesus. Holding out your life to the world in need. Living